morning. Uh, my name is Moses Shoyola. I am one of the lay pastors here at Lower Manhattan Community Church. And before I get into the message, I just want to do another plug for the Color Vault show that's coming up on November 30th. Internally, we've been calling it a worship party. And that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a worship party. The spirit's going to be there. It's going to be powerful and it's going to be fun. So we'll see you all there November 30th. Scan the codes, get your tickets. It's going to be awesome. This morning, we're going to talk about money. And money is a difficult subject to talk about. We don't like to talk about money. Uh, in preparing for this message, I actually Googled talking about money. And here are some of the headlines that came up from the New York Times. We're all afraid to talk about money. Here's how to break the taboo. From the Atlantic, why Americans don't talk about money. And from Real Simple, talking about money is hard, especially with our friends. So it's clearly a difficult subject to talk about. The world recognizes this. And I actually remember learning this the hard way towards the end of my freshman year of college. Uh, I was in a fraternity and I really looked up to the seniors in my fraternity who were all going off to the city to work at places like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs and McKinsey. And I remember standing across the pong table from one of the seniors and being like, hey man, you're going off to McKinsey next year. How much money are you gonna be making at McKinsey? And man, the oxygen in that room disappeared like that. It was gone. Everybody looked at me like I had three heads. And the reality is you can Google how much a first year at McKinsey makes, but the fact that I asked that question directly to this guy, everybody was like, no, 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 you don't do that. So it's clearly a really difficult subject to talk about. And we know this is true even from personal experience now. You know, in community group, we get very vulnerable. And I've shared some of my most shameful failures with people in my community group. But if someone I was really close to asked me to choose between answering the question, how much money do you make and what's the thing you're most ashamed of, I would for sure choose to share the thing I'm most ashamed of. And that just tells us how difficult of a subject this is. That's true for so many of us. We're willing to be vulnerable about so many areas of our lives but not our wallets. And it says something about us. It says something about the power and the weight that we've given money over our lives. So we're gonna talk about money this morning. And historically, this church has not talked a lot about money. Historically, we reserve one or two Sundays right around this time of the year to briefly talk about money and then we never touch it again. And there are good reasons for this, right? There are lots of financial abuse in churches, lots of greedy, pastors of churches who want to live their own lifestyles of the rich and famous, and all you have to do is Google pastors with jets or preachers in sneakers to figure this out. Um, and then the other thing is, this is New York, and people are really discerning. People are really hip to whenever something seems scammy, and when churches talk about money a lot, they seem scammy. So that's kind of why we've avoided it historically, but you know what? the area of people's lives where we've seen testimony after testimony of breakthrough after breakthrough and miracle after miracle, the area of people's lives where we've seen incredible transformation and deeper relationship with Jesus is money. Just looking at Jesus, 13 of his 39 parables reference money. A full third of his teachings talk about money. So we're leaving some money on the table <laughs> if we don't talk about it. And so the thing I want to convince us of this morning is that trusting God with our money by giving it to him is our ticket to deeper relationship with him 
and to spiritual and financial freedom. Trusting God with our money by giving it to him is our ticket to deeper relationship with him and to spiritual and financial freedom. We'll first look at some of the reasons why this is true. And then we're gonna hear a testimony from Andy Smith, his testimony about trusting God with his money and how that changed his life. And then we'll look at some practical ways to actually give. So first, why? Why should we give our money to God? And the first reason that we should give is what we talked about last week. So I won't dwell on this one too much, but giving is how we participate in the work of God's kingdom. The work of our Luke 4 fund partners who are rescuing refugees, who are giving food and shelter to the poor and the homeless, who are caring for women in crisis pregnancy situations, and the list goes on and on and on. That work can't be done without money. But also the work of Lower Manhattan Community Church, the work of our paid staff of Phil and Marcy and Jasmine and Alf and Esther and Alex and Godfrey, the work they do every week to bring us deeper and deeper into Jesus's presence, the work they do throughout the week, planning retreats, not just Sundays, all of that doesn't happen without money. So when we give, we're participating in advancing Jesus's kingdom in all these ways. The next reason that we give money to God is that it's not ours to begin with, it's his. There's a verse in Malachi and God's talking to his people and he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how God, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Jesus is king over all of creation. Everything is his, every resource, every person, every dollar, every peso, every pound, everything in all of creation belongs to him. Nothing that we've achieved has been achieved outside of his will and his approval. There is no wealth or income that any of us have built apart from his providence. American culture hates this. New Yorkers especially hate this. We love the idea of self-made people. We love the idea of being independently successful or independently wealthy. We work hard for our money. So hard for it, honey. <laughs> but the Bible, the Bible has the opposite view. The Bible says we have to beware of that mentality. In Deuteronomy, God says to his people, when you get to the point where you're fat and happy and wealthy, don't get to thinking, I got here on my own. Don't get to thinking, my own hands and my own strength got me here. Remember that the Lord your God gives you the ability to create wealth. God got us all where we are, which means our money isn't ours, it's his. And we're supposed to do with it what he says. And all he says is he wants 10%. And if we're able to view it as his, 10% looks really generous. I know we have some investment professionals in our congregation, so I'll use the investment industry as an analogy. Hedge fund managers get compensated the most aggressively in the investment industry. They typically take 2% of the assets that they manage and 20% of the returns that they generate. So if I'm a manager, and I'm giving, given $100 and I turn it into $150, my compensation is 2% of that original $100, so $2, and then 20% of that $50 return, so $10. So I get $12 
and the owner of the capital gets $138 back. And that's the most aggressive compensation rate in the financial industry. With God, it's completely flipped. He gives us $100 to manage, we turn it into 150, and all he says he wants back is $15, 10%. That's 10 times what a hedge fund manager gets. So if we can see that it's God's to begin with, we can realize that he's so generous. If we realize it's all his, if we realize he's the reason that we have anything at all, 10% is an incredible deal. But if we don't realize it's all his, we might choose not to give, we might choose to rob him, or we might give grudgingly thinking that he's asking too much of us. But if we realize he's so generous in everything that we have, then we'll give to him gratefully and cheerfully. So that's the second reason why we should give is that it's not ours to begin with, it's rightfully his. And in his great generosity, all he asks for is 10%. Another reason that we give is giving is how we demonstrate our loyalty to him over the God of money. That is what the verses in Matthew 6 that you just heard read say. Jesus is saying you can't serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other or you will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, the God of money. Who is mammon? Mammon is a spirit. Mammon is the God of money and if mammon had to pick a city in all the world that's his favorite city, it'd be New York City. We live in a city where people worship mammon knowingly or unknowingly. There are temples to mammon on every block People make pilgrimages from three states, five, sometimes six days a week to get the things that mammon will give them, fortune, fame, status. His grip on this city is real tight. And mammon is happy to let us think that we can serve both Jesus and mammon. Mammon's happy to let us even think that we're letting mammon play second fiddle to Jesus. I remember a guy growing up in one of the churches we went to, Nigerian guy, and one time he said to me and my brothers, after God is only money. And that guy's a caricature, but he's just willing to say out loud the attitude that many of us have. We might think that Jesus is our primary master, but we're okay with mammon being second in command. So after we go to church, and after we go to community group, and after we stop all the egregious sins, after we volunteer with various organizations that are advancing Jesus' kingdom, we feel like we're all right with Jesus and then we go on chasing money. And Jesus is clear that it doesn't work that way. You can't serve both God in heaven and mammon. Can't chase both. It is impossible to be someone who chases after God and someone who chases after money. And Jesus says, there's an easy antidote to this. All we have to do to free ourselves from the shackles of mammon all we have to do is hand our money over to God. Just hand it over. And it's kind of amazing. Instead of chasing money, we just let go of it. And there's no bigger statement of our true master than who we give our money to. So do we value God more than money? The way to demonstrate that is by giving it to him. The last two reasons that we give are the benefits that we get from giving. And the first benefit is treasure, both in heaven and here on earth. There's a story in Luke where Jesus says that it's really hard for wealthy people to make it into the kingdom of heaven. 
And a few moments later, Peter turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, what about us? What about us? We've left everything to follow you. And Jesus responds to him and says, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come. Jesus is saying that when we give our money to him, when we choose him over everything else, he gives it back to us in spades. We may think we're giving up something. We may think we're losing out on the 10% of our wealth. But in the end, we'll find that we got it all back, that we never lacked anything that we needed or wanted, that we've received many times more. And the biggest part of that many times more is definitely that eternal inheritance, which we talked about last week. And that's huge. That is definitely the biggest part. But Jesus says we don't even have to wait until eternity to start getting it back. He says anyone who demonstrates that they value him above everything else will get it back, will get much more back now in this life. There are countless stories of this in the history of our church. And it's crass to think you give God money and he gives you back money, but it's true. It's my story. I first started giving consistently in my mid-20s, and one year I committed to giving God 20% of my gross income. And then I also committed that I'd give him 50% of everything above what, I, what my expected salary. So any gifts, tax returns, anything that was unexpected that came in, I'd give 50%. And at the time I was working at a startup and my startup had just run out of money. And we had investor commitments to recapitalize the company, but those weren't gonna come in for another couple of months. And so when I made this commitment, it was really risky. The world would have looked at it as totally foolish. And right after that capital came in, things actually got worse for the company. Our biggest vendor terminated their agreement with us and made our product completely useless. And honestly, at this point, I started to feel a little bit hoodwinked by God. And I was saying to him, what about me, God? Where are the rewards that you talked about? And that summer after some counseling, I decided I'd eventually need to leave that startup. My heart wasn't in it anymore, but I also didn't want to leave my partners in a lurch. And God showed up dramatically in one week towards the end of the summer. The company closed a huge deal that gave it some life, and I received a job offer that was literally two and a half times what I was making at the startup. So giving worked, and I kept going. By the time I was engaged, a few years later, I was giving 25% of my gross. And I remember writing in my journal, God, you've been awesome. Each year, you've been faithful. In the past, it's been through my finances, but this year, it's that you've brought Sherry into my life. You've blessed me with an amazing woman who loves you, who helps me love my family, who's great in all the ways I'm not. Thank you, God. And anyone who's single knows how hard it is to find a godly match in this city, so that really had to be a gift. And I was satisfied with that. But then a few weeks later, I got recruited for another job. And my income was more than doubled again. So over the course of just a little over two years, my income was multiplied 6x. That doesn't make any sense. These numbers are crazy. And I can only chalk it up to the fact that Jesus was faithful to his promise that anyone who's given up anything will get it back in spades. 
I have received it back in spades. And no, it's not just the financial benefit. Yes, there are spiritual benefits too, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But the financial benefit was a huge part of it. God does not exclude the financial benefit when we give to him. It's a huge part of it. And there are spiritual benefits too, which is the last reason why we should give. Giving brings freedom from anxiety and worry, the anxiety and worry that come with being so focused on money. After Jesus says you can't serve both God and mammon, he says, therefore, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about clothes or food. Do not worry about work. Do not worry about anything. Jesus is clear. If we choose to serve mammon, if we choose to chase money, then we choose the fruit of mammon, which is anxiety and worry. If we choose Jesus, we choose the fruit of Jesus's spirit, which is life and joy and peace. Do you worry about your life? Do you worry about money? Do you worry about your career? Do you worry about finding a husband or a wife? Do you worry about what your parents or friends think of you? If we've let ourselves become attached to money, there's no wonder that we're worried. It's no wonder we don't have peace. Money doesn't offer peace, Jesus does. Money doesn't offer security, Jesus does. Money doesn't offer life, only Jesus does. So if we want freedom from anxiety, all the worry that comes from chasing money, the surest way to do that is to hand our money over to God. Where we just left off in my story, my salary had increased 6x over the course of two years, but it didn't end there. I actually got fired a couple years later during the pandemic. They gave me two weeks of severance, and I was unemployed for four months during the pandemic. And ultimately, that story continues, and the job I'm in just literally landed in my lap. But the important part is I was actually never worried throughout that whole process. I didn't spend that four months frantically applying to jobs and wondering when the next job would come in or the next check would come in. Yeah, Sherry, I played ukulele, I went to the beach, I chilled out. It was kind of ridiculous, actually. But why? Because I knew Jesus had me. I knew Jesus would take care of me. Earlier, talked about giving to God because it's his to begin with. When we fail to realize that nothing we have is our own, we end up taking on the burden and the responsibility of determining the outcomes of our own lives. It's no wonder we worry. It's no wonder we walk around with the weight of the world on our shoulders. But when we, when we realize that it's all his, when we realize that he's the one who has given us everything, then we realize that our lives are not riding on us, they're riding on him. I came to realize that my money isn't my own, it's his. My career isn't my own, it's his. My life isn't my own, it's his. It's all his concern. It's all his to take care of, not mine. Our giving is a direct reflection of how much we want God to take care of us versus how much we want 
to have to take care of ourselves? Do we want him in charge of our lives or do we wanna be in charge? So those are the reasons why we give, to participate in his kingdom, because it's all rightfully his to begin with, because we demonstrate loyalty to God over the God of money, and because he'll give it back to us in spades, both financially and in the form of spiritual freedom from anxiety and worry. So before we get into how to give, I'm excited for us to hear from Andy, who has a powerful story that just demonstrates his own victory over mammon and how he became free from worry and anxiety, the worries and anxieties that come from chasing money. So please welcome Andy. Thank you, Moses. Good morning. Um, all right. My name is Andy Smith. I'm Esther's husband. Esther, who sings up here. Yeah, I actually changed my last name when I married her. Andy Smith, Esther's husband. Um, and uh, it's great. It's a great change of my name. Um, let me just pray really quickly uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm an actor. I've spent 13 years performing on stage. And this is terrifying. Because... Um, Acting, I get to hide behind a character. And this is just me um, sharing my humble story with all of you. So let's pray really quickly. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your miraculous work in my life. Thank you for giving me a story that I am excited and terrified to share. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for prompting me to do that by way of Renee and Marcy and Moses. And Father God, I pray for this congregation, my fellow congregants, my fellow family members, and I pray that you would open all of our hearts to what you have to tell us today. Holy Spirit, move through my words, make me less, and God, I pray you would increase. In Jesus' name. Um, so yeah, uh, Renee, a while back, Renee Smith, asked if I would share my, my testimony regarding giving, regarding money. And my knee-jerk reaction in this particular season was absolutely not. Uh, I am, I'm in a terrible place with work. It's super stressful. It's, it's, it's then that I realized, yes, I should probably share my testimony. When my knee-jerk reaction is, heck no, that usually is a good indicator that I should probably do whatever's being asked. After prayer with Esther and prayer time with God on my own, free from uh, the noise of our two daughters, Haven and Mercy, who are two and four, and in children's ministry. Bless the children's ministry. Um, so I'm up here talking about money uh, a little bit before I dive into that. Um, I was fortunate enough to be raised in a Christian house. Um, I became a Christian when I was five years old. I still vividly remember the conversation uh, following uh, a discipline because I had done something, but <laughs> sitting down with my mom and inviting the Holy Spirit in, five years old, and I still remember it perfectly today. The color of the chairs, the sunlight through the windows, everything. 
I was five though. It wasn't like my friends who come to Christ in their 20s, 30s, later, and have this enormous life transformation. And, and sometimes, if I'm being honest, I'm a little jealous of those people because it's like, that's, that's cool. I mean, I've been, yeah, since five, I never really, I just sort of slowly grew and grew and grew and it wasn't like, wow. Um, I never had one of those transformation moments until um, December of 2018. When Esther and I were visiting LMCC, uh, she was subbing on the worship team and uh, they had a sermon series about money. And um, before we get to that, my history with money is not good. Um, I, I was a, a fool with money. I, I was raised um, not really having to worry about money, which was great. Um, until I went out on my own and, and just had no clue what to do with it or how to do with it and also decided to become an actor in New York City um, with no clue how to budget or do anything. Um, and as you can guess, it was wildly stressful and I amassed debt, student debt, living in New York City, trying to keep up appearances debt. I maxed out credit cards. I did all the wrong things. And um, this, was, this was a big issue um, when I met my wife, um, who was playing my wife in a show on stage. And uh, it was a big thing to work through. That's another story. <laughs> also miraculous. But the truth is, I would hear 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I would hear that, and, and honestly, um, Paul, I wouldn't go amen. I would hear that, and I would get pissed. Because I never once in my life gave cheerfully. Even accepting Christ at five years old, tithing, because my parents told me to, and then leaving home and being like, well, you know, there's freedom in Christ. I, I don't need to tithe. Maybe I'll tithe, whatever. Even after getting married, you know, Esther would say, hey, have we tithed in a while? Maybe we should tithe. And I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. There was no freedom with money. And, and I had resentment. I, I would tell God, you know, I will tithe when you give me money. And that's completely backwards. Um, and it wasn't until recently that the fact that we live in a truly backwards and upside down kingdom, that, that my heart changed uh, towards giving. I was tithing even after we got married, tithing out of our net income after all the bills were paid. I was scrambling for jobs and it was about November, 2018, I was in a great show. We had a beautiful infant daughter, Haven. Um, and we had, you know, we were flush. We had work coming up. Like that's never the case in an actor's life. Like, what are you doing after this? Well, let me tell you what I'm doing. I have another job. Never does that happen. So I was in a great place as an actor in New York City. 
and I was still worried. I was still anxious. And hearing Moses talk about, are you worried? Are you anxious? I was like, yes, I was. And I knew something had to change. Esther and I came in here December of 2018, and I heard Ryan, the pastor at the time, give a sermon on money, giving. He broke it down very simply, and it kind of piqued my interest. I was like, okay, that's simply put. Um, and then I heard a testimony. And my life so paralleled with that testimony, it blew me out of the water. Um, that's something that we say in Texas. I think it's like a duck hunting thing. I don't know. It just came out. I was blown out of the water by this testimony. And, and I, was, I was shaken because I was like, well, maybe I could change. Maybe what I've known for my entire life up until now might be different moving forward. I want to come back next week because it's part two of the sermon series. And, and, and I was on the train with Esther and we were going through some things. It was hard getting to our current church in Times Square with a stroller on the weekend train schedules. And, and I had in my mind on the train, you know, that kind of felt like our church home, but I'm gonna go home tonight, I'm gonna pray about it, and if I feel the same way in the morning, I'm gonna talk to Esther about it and see what she thinks. No sooner had I finished having that thought, Esther turns to me on the train and says, does that feel more like our church home to you than where we are right now? And uh, I love when the Holy Spirit does those little types of things, those big types of things, very subtle and very life-altering. So we decided, let's go back next, next Sunday, just as a family, not a work day. And uh, the Saturday before that next Sunday, Alf gives Esther a call, says, hey, would you mind subbing again tomorrow? And we're like, funny thing, we're gonna be there anyway, so sure. And, um, and I sit in the back, I'm holding our sweet infant daughter, the sweet days of just one infant dancing, enjoying the worship, and she's smiling and not, you know, screaming. And, um, and then that sermon happened, and I, I was blown out of the water a second time. And it was like the, the left-right, I'm not a boxer, I don't know. It's, it, but it was the two sermon series that truly changed things for me. And, and in the middle of that second series, when mammon was personified, when that spirit was named, I realized how I had been serving mammon forever, for as long as I could remember. Because I saw my dad's success and once I left home, I, I, I fell into the trap many of the people in my generation fell into, which is, well, I want to have exactly my parents' life immediately upon leaving home. And, um, and I was striving for success for my entire life. And in the middle of that second sermon, I just felt this weight lift off of me, and I felt this heart-pounding excitement and joy just swoop in. And I was sitting right over there, where Ian's sitting. And my eyes were tearing up, 
And I was like, this is amazing. This is what transformation feels like. And I was so excited to go home to my Excel sheets and, and count up all of our gross income because I was going to tithe 10% out of that and just forget about all the net thing. I realized I was making it wildly complicated on myself. Like it's so easy, just gross, 10% done. And I realized in that moment too, how tithing wasn't, it's for God. Everything we do is for God. But like many of the rules that, especially as Americans, especially New Yorkers, we hear and we're like, mm. We don't like rules, we like being self-made, but like the Sabbath, it's for us. And it was for me, and I realized in that moment that tithing was a Sabbath for my wallet. It was for me to be free from mammon. It was for me to experience that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The burden doesn't go away. There's still a burden this side of eternity. But I was so excited and we went home and I said, you know what, I'm gonna put this, I'm gonna put this into practice. And 2019 happened and it was a banner year. We saw so much work, more jobs than we had ever seen. And it was really hard. Our car got burned on the street. So Esther getting around to the different gigs was a little more difficult. Um, and even in that, we saw miraculous provision to get a new car. And it was all this attack in the midst of all this giving. Mammon had a hold on my life for, for decades. He wasn't going to give up easy, easily. We saw more income and more jobs than we had ever seen. And gross, 10% done. And we were so excited about that. We pledged. And we met our pledge, and we were like feeling so high on that. We're like, let's, let's up the game. We're going to give even more next year. We're going we're gonna to prep ourselves for even more success. 2020, people. <laughs> going to be a good year. Um, my survival job in the city is uh, theatrical carpentry, was theatrical carpentry. So... When everything shut down, I lost every source of income. Um, and it was terrifying um, because I was just finally getting momentum. And I was like, oh, okay, God, what, uh, what's going to happen? Not only that, we had our second child March 30th of 2020 in the height of hospitalizations. And I was so fortunate to actually be in the room for the birth because all of our friends who were at the other hospitals, we were at one of two hospitals that allowed the birth partner in the room. All the other hospitals, the husbands were dropping the wife off at the front door being like, have a good birth. But it was terrifying having a second child come in and no work. And, and uh, this is, Another crazy miracle, but at the end of 2020, um, we not only met the goal that we set out at the beginning of the year, but 
we surpassed it by $5,000. And I have the spreadsheet of all our income and I go back and look at it and still can't figure out how that happened. We had a better year in 2020 with absolutely no work than in 2019. Like marriage, there's, there's a honeymoon phase. Like new Christians, you walk outside, the sky is bluer, the grass is greener. And then there becomes a time when it becomes real and it's work. The yoke is light, the burden is easy. Something like that. It's still there, it's still work. Um, and if, and uh, Esther and I are going through a very difficult season. Um, the girls are two and four, they love fighting. I really should be wearing black and white stripes most of the time because it's just a boxing match. And they're just as good at boxing as I am. Um, they're not. And uh, it's work. But every time I tithe, I feel the chains loosen. I feel the weight off. Esther and I tithed last night because I didn't want to get up here and do this and not be up to date on my tithing. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and, and I, was, I was like, you know, I always grew up hearing about the Israelites and the people putting, putting uh, manna aside and trying to save it up. And I'm like, what? Idiots. God's got you. Like, what's wrong? Bread is falling from the sky. Why are you trying to do this? Thing? Like, just trust him. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so much worse in so many ways. Um, I look at. 2020 and bread was falling from the sky and I still find myself being like yeah but you know last night over the dinner so last yesterday was our, my Sabbath and we were at the dinner table and I just got a new temp job on Wednesday as a as a emergency medical replacement and they said it'll be a few weeks or it may be until February I'm like okay cool and uh, got a text over dinner last night and they said, hey, the person that was sick is gonna be back on Monday, so you're good. And um, my knee-jerk reaction in that moment, oh, crap, I need to email all the temp agencies who I just said, I have a job, I'm good, don't send me out for anything anymore. And then and I was like, ha, 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 ha. You're trying to throw me off my game for my testimony and make me break my Sabbath. So the fact remains that I'm still under attack. And, and, if, and if you choose to do this experiment, if you will, with God, which I highly recommend, you'll be under attack too. You will have seasons that are so difficult and that you feel like you're in a holding pattern but I promise you'll see God do miraculous things in your life and you will experience that freedom um, that I'm up here uh, sobbing about. <laughs> but it feels so good to be up here when December of 2018, I was sitting over there going, oh man, it'd be cool to get up there and share a testimony. And um, while I'm not seeing my income double, triple, whatever. 
yet I'm still free. I'm still free from mammon and I feel that. I feel that in the complete absence of anxiety I have right now about money. And I feel that uh, luckily through Jesus by focusing on him and trying to follow him. Um, I think that's all that is uh, trying to be said. Um, I just, oh, I wanna leave with this. Um, Psalm 37, 25. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. So God, um, we give you this testimony and we ask you to give us our daily bread, knowing that's not money, but your holy word and the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. That was just, that was so, that was even better than last week. <laughs> um, can we give God another hand for what he's done in Andy's life? Um, yeah, it's just such a powerful testimony and it's not unique to Andy. There are so many people who have experienced that freedom from mammon and freedom from anxiety and worry and what I love about that testimony is that it didn't end in unicorns and rainbows. It's still a fight. And yeah, there was financial provision, but that's been up and down, but Andy's free. Free from mammon, free from worry, free from anxiety. And the ticket to that was handing over his money to God. So, We've looked at the reasons why we should give. And I just wanna finish up with just practically how to do it. Um, and the first thing to do is determine and commit to a number. And like Andy said, it's, it's not that complicated. Um, you know, there's clear guidelines in scripture. And so this is the guideline. It's a minimum of 10% of gross income to your local church. Minimum of 10% of your gross income to your local church. And there's a few different components there. Take, I'll take them in reverse order of the statement. First, lo your local church, which hopefully is LMCC. Your local church is a proxy for God in your life. It's where you connect with God. It's where you come into his presence each week. And so that's where you can actually give directly to God. And if you're somebody who might be thinking, you know what, I don't know if I like LMCC enough to be giving my money to God through LMCC, my advice is that if you want to give your money to God and experience all the benefits that we've talked about, then find a place where you are comfortable giving your money. I'd much rather folks find another place where you're comfortable building this kind of relationship with God rather than have LMCC be a stumbling block and have you miss out on all that happens when you go deeper with God in this way. The next thing is the denominator. You know, Andy talked about how before he was giving net income and now he's giving gross income. And the key here is gross income. I strongly believe 
that you're supposed to give based on your income before taxes, before expenses. And some argue that you can't control taxes so that you should, that you should give based on net income, but God comes in line before the government. And so gross income, I think, is the right denominator. And then finally, the percentage, just 10%. You know, in that verse from Malachi where God talks about people robbing him in tithes, that word tithe is literally the Hebrew word one-tenth. And so God says 10% is the number. Anything below that, he considers robbery. So if you make $100,000, $10,000 is what you give. If you make $50,000, $5,000 is what you give. If you make a million dollars, $100,000 is what you give. And lastly, it's a minimum. Going above and beyond the 10% can be the right and faithful thing to do depending on your situation. You know, when I was a 20-something and single in New York City, giving 25% made a lot of sense because otherwise I was gonna spend that money on stupid self-indulgent stuff. And I think God rewarded that more than he would have if I had only given 10%. But now, a 30-something with a family, 25% is probably not the number God wants me to give but I still wanna go above that 10%. And so once you've determined the number, at LMCC, we offer the opportunity to pledge. And pledging just means committing to a number, that, a dollar amount that you'll give over the course of 2023. Historically, we've emphasized the spiritual value of the pledge, which is the opportunity to demonstrate faith in what God is gonna do over the year ahead. And this year, I just wanna emphasize the practical value of it. First for us, it's really helpful for LMCC as we plan, as we plan retreats and staff and outside giving and other initiatives. But it's also helpful for you. It helps you submit your commitment. It helps you commit so you don't miss out. You don't have to every month calculate what the number is that you need to give. You can pledge it and then split it up however you want over the course of the year. And so we're gonna open up the pledging today there will be a link on the website. I think if you go to lowermanhattanchurch.com slash giving, you'll find the links to pledge and that'll be open until the end of the year. Is that, is that right? Yes, cool. Um, and then the last thing is how to give, like literally actually how you log in and give. And so we use a platform called PushPay. There's a link on our website, the same address I just gave, lowermanhattanchurch.com slash giving. If you click that button, it'll take you to push pay and you can give via credit card, debit card, direct deposit. Um, and that is how we give. Okay, that is it. Talked a lot about money today. I feel like I kind of need a shower. But <laughs> I hope we're able to see how important it is for our relationship with Jesus Hope we can begin to experience the spiritual and material benefits of giving. And I just wanna close with how God says he'll respond when we give. In Malachi, right after talking about how people are robbing him in the tithes and offerings, God says this, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse and please test me in this, please Test me in this. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out such an overflowing blessing that you will not have enough room to receive it. Do we want that kind of overflowing blessing? I know I do. Let's pray.
Father, you are so good. Hmm. Alex's song says, you are good and faithful, the source of every blessing. So we just acknowledge your goodness and your faithfulness. We acknowledge that everything we have is yours. God, we see mammon at work in our city, in our hearts, and we want to see mammon defeated and destroyed. And so we ask that by the power of your spirit that you convict us, that you help us, that you show us how to do this, how to free ourselves from all of the anxiety and worry that comes from being so attached to money. We know you're good. We know you'll do this for us. So we just lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen.